If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Alex McCauley, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There podcast. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There podcast horror movie podcast welcome back everybody to the don't go out there horror movie review podcast just want to thank all our fans and listeners really appreciate all support you guys are awesome doubling up this week super excited about that but before we get into tonight's film review, i just want to give a quick shout out to our website don't go out there.com brian has done a great job i can't compliment him enough uh website is fantastic everything about our podcast is on there from our episodes and our interviews from episode one a nightmare on elm street when I didn't know what I was doing all the way up to the weekly release where I still don't know what I'm doing, but we have all of our, our episodes there. We've done some incredible interviews in the past. Michael Myers, actors, Jason actors, uh, Robert England himself, uh, check our interviews tab. Uh, it's a lot easier to find them there instead of scrolling through so many episodes on Apple or Spotify. Uh, we have a store, we have some merch, uh, t-shirts, we got hoodies, uh, mouse pads. We have Shan's Etsy page attached as well. If you want to grab a Tumblr, and we also have all of our social media links, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, like us, subscribe us, follow us, all that good stuff. Got a message today from a fan who told us they love the show. Uh, those never get old to me, and I appreciate those messages every time. So definitely link up with us on social media. Uh, last thing I want to shout out is our Patreon called Blood Donors. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. Uh, just goes directly back into the podcast. None of our pockets helps us just pay the bills around here, you know, where we – host our website, host our files, make the YouTube video, stuff like that. And we also have one-time donations, which we'll be doing next week of a fan review. Uh, you're a big fan of a movie, you want us to review it, we have that option available as well. Uh, tonight we will be concluding Women in Horror Month, and it is Brother Dustin's pick. You want to announce your pick, brother, and why you picked it? Yeah, so I said it last week, but in case uh, you didn't hear that episode yet, um, I was watching Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, and uh, they ask their friends if they want to go with them to White Castle. And they said, no, we're watching The Gift on HBO. And so that this movie's just been in my head ever since I rewatched that movie. And I was like, hey, you know, I need to pick that movie. It's a good movie. Um, I hadn't rewatched it in quite a while. I mean, it's been years since I rewatched it. And I, I forgot how awesome I think this movie is. Like, I really enjoyed it. So uh, good job, Dustin. Uh, good pick. I liked it. <laughs> All right, I'll go next. I'm a big fan of this movie as well, Dustin. Great pick. Uh, I'm happy that 
that a, a comedy that inspired you to pick this one is actually good this time. Shout out to Phantoms, oh, brother. <laughs> Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, though. <laughs> yeah, he was. This movie has a great cast. Uh, I don't really know what to say except I really enjoy the movie. There's some things I have, you know, issues with. It's not perfect, but I think it's pretty damn good. Honestly, I'll just leave it at that. Brian, what do you think? Well, I'm going to ramble on a little bit longer. Uh, Sam Raimi is a little bit hit or miss for me. I love Spider-Man, hate Evil Dead, but the love of the game, Doctor Strange 2, fantastic, but I hate Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 3 is shit. Sorry, I got off track. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd never seen this. In fact, I was a junior in high school when this came out, and for some reason, remember choosing between watching this and What Lies Beneath with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer for a movie night with a with a young lady. And chose What Lies Beneath because it was fucking Indiana Jones and Catwoman. I mean, also on. a good movie though. Another yeah, good movie. it is. Not bad. Um, shout out DD Pfeiffer interview. Don't go out there.com. But regardless, I didn't watch this until uh, Dustin picked it. And in fact, ended up really liking this movie. And I say ended up because the only thing I knew about it was Katie Holmes for reasons already discussed. But uh, got it confused with uh, 2015's The Gift and was like, where the hell's Katie Holmes when I was started to watch it? And uh, so I texted the guys. And hell, I mean, I even texted the guys, I think, like 10 minutes into the correct gif, gift. And uh, where I was like, I'm still not sure I'm watching the right movie here until Katie Holmes showed up, of course. But yeah, this cast is fucking incredible. Nominated for five Academy Awards here, including Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Writing. I mean... And holy shit, when I found out that this was based on Billy Bob Thornton's own mother's reputed psychic abilities herself and fucking co-wrote by him, so mind blown there. But yeah, Reeves kills it. This is such a just unique performance for not only him, but it's like a it's an overlooked movie, I think, that's super unique. I'm going to use that word again in itself, you know, that you should check out if you haven't before continuing this episode, of course. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Sorry for my rambling there. Oh, man, you're good. Um, I've seen this movie one other time, and I think I was like 10, 11. So really, this was like a first-time viewing. I mean, I didn't remember shit except the cast and, of course, the line that Dustin got inspired by, I remember, and Harold and Kumar as well. Great, great fucking movie. Anyway, um, so I remember that. Brian called me an asshole in the group chat. My apologies. don't know why he would do that unprovoked. That's really rude, but we'll move on here. Um, <laughs> normally a movie like this would not be my cup of tea just because of some of the, the psychic medium reader things, not my thing. Uh, don't believe in it. Don't buy into it. Uh, I, you know, I think of like crossing over with John Edwards and all that stuff, but this is a great thriller. It is a crime drama with a little bit of that sprinkled in. So the story and the script is so good and tight and and i really like the ride that this movie takes us on man it, it's it's gonna be a love fest tonight guys so if that's a boring episode i apologize but and there's i have some nitpicks but i really like the fact that this movie builds and builds and builds to a crescendo that i think it does it really well i think the pacing in the beginning is a little slow but it it it, it, it eventually takes off and i really really enjoy it look this cast is an all-time cast of people Kate Blanchett, Katie Holmes, Keanu Reeves, Hillary Swanks, man, Gary Cole, J.K. Simmons. The list goes on and on and on. Mike Jeter, shout out to my man Dale. He's his his mouse friend still hanging out in Mouseville. That's a Green Mile reference for you people that don't get it. 
Uh, <laughs> he's the lawyer in this movie. But anyway, look, cast is great. I think this is a good San Raimi film. I don't know all the movies that you look like. I don't have the same complaints. I, I, I like the ones I like, especially Evil Dead 2. And I think he does a really good job here. There's some great shots when it gets to the later scenes with the thunderstorm. So this movie has me hooked for the majority of the runtime. And it is a longer film, but I don't feel it that much in this movie. So I'm excited to talk about it, man. Great pick, Dustin. Most of them are. Eh, well, let's, let's, let's <laughs> take it easy. Take it easy, pal. All right, guys. Any more opening thoughts before you jump into the scene by scene? Let's get it, dude. I'm going to be doing it tonight. Uh, so if I suck at it and y'all want Brian or Dustin to come back, y'all just let oh. us know. All right, guys. Jump into the scene by scene. The film starts with a swamp setting at night. It's morning now as we get opening credits and title card. Annie chats with a man and asks if he's bleeding and asks if he's seen a doctor. She calls a doctor for him and her boys to bed as one asks, what does fuck mean? We see her in bed now as she stares at a picture of her deceased husband as she wipes her tears. Annie is reading cards for Valerie now who has visible signs of domestic abuse. Annie feels bad for telling her Donnie after she sees the black eye. Annie goes to the school when she hears Mike is in some trouble. Principal tells her he's been in, in another fight and his grades are getting worse. We meet Jessica, his fiance, and Annie goes to leave as she asks her to read her fortune and if they'll live happily ever after. Annie zones in as we see a pencil roll off the desk beside her dirty, wet feet. She says she doesn't see anything bad for them as she leaves. Annie meets up with Buddy and asks if he can fix her door from flying open. He says she's the only one he calls friend as she tells him she's low on money. Buddy drives her home now as he tells her about taking his meds and his life. Buddy slams on the brakes of a truck suddenly and asks if he's going to die. She tells him he won't die. He cries out, oh my God, and says he was going to kill himself if she said yes. He drives her home nice and slow. Annie checks on her boy sleeping, and she sees Mike has a photo album open to a picture of he and his dad. Knock at the door is Donnie Barksdale. He asks to talk to her about his wife. Annie opens the door and Donnie enters. He snaps on her, calling her a Satan worshiper or a con artist. He calls her some terrible things and says he's going to use his voodoo doll on her. Annie kicks him out, saying his wife needs to leave him as he threatens her and her boys. Annie is reading more cards for another client as Valerie walks in, apologizing for what Donnie did. Donnie storms in, pushing Annie down, flipping tables, and begins dragging her out the house, throwing her to the ground. They drive away in the truck. Annie's grandma walks up with some persimmons. Annie looks up and sees some violent scenes as Granny walks away, telling her to always use her instincts. Annie and Linda are out getting drinks, and Linda tells Annie to check her cards if she has a chance with lookalike Antonio Banderas. Wayne and Jessica sit down with them, and Jessica's dad asks her for a dance. Wayne and Linda go dance as he gives Annie a stare. Annie goes to the bathroom, and she sees Jessica having sex with David Duncan. Wayne asks Annie outside if she's having a good time and asks if she's seen Jessica. He asks what she thinks about her. He asks how she ended up in Brixton, and he asks if she knew something was going to happen to her husband. He doesn't believe in any mysteries. She tells him about the bad dream she had the night before the explosion. Annie tells Wayne he kind of reminds her of her husband. Jessica walks up and they leave. Annie picks her boys up and they walk home. However, she sees a light on in, the, in her house and the door is open. She goes inside and grabs a baseball bat. She sees her bedroom window open and the word Satan spelled out in her cards. Next day, she's talking to a cop about who she suspects did it. Cop says he doesn't think it was Donnie and thanks her for the coffee and leaves. And I got a good, I got a, a good laugh out of that. Wasn't Donnie. Thanks for the coffee. Right. 
Brian, that's the opening set of scenes I got. What'd you think, brother? Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I texted in the group chat when I watched this for the first time, you know, being I was the last one of, you know, one of us to see it as per usual. But I also asked the guys, like, does this movie pick up? Because honestly, I was bored to freaking death with these opening scenes. Now, is that fair in hindsight? Absolutely not. Because this is, you know, all needed. And I kept thinking to myself, this cast would not be in a sucky movie. This has to get better. Absolutely does. And again, I was just saying my thoughts here at the beginning. In hindsight, this, you know, this start is definitely needed to establish everything. It just started off slow to me. Um, very easy to see how Kate Blanchett was nominated for an Academy Award for her performance in this. I mean, she carries this thing. Now, I'll go against what is normally said and prove that we don't say the cinematography doesn't really stand out to me throughout. You know, Jamie Anderson really hasn't done much other than this and Santa as far as mainstream goes, but I don't know. It's, man, I mean, nothing special in my opinion this time. It it looks comparable to like a TV show like Dawson's Creek more than anything from the late. Maybe that was on purpose given where the movie is, you know, set. Uh, that provocative southern but personally i wasn't a fan now the soundtrack the fucking second greatest composer of all time in my opinion D danny elfman who has a cameo later in this but you know how big of a fan i am of the burton movies on you know especially batman so we'll forever love that dude's music and this movie is brilliantly scored uh fun fact elfman did Raimi's first two spider-mans you know of course but the, the two had a major falling out during Spider-Man 3, and it took near a decade for the two to start talking again enough to work together. But here, great. Uh, and I don't want to just talk about the cast, but I wanted to bring up Gary Cole, who, who Mike mentioned earlier. We've done a Gary Cole movie, right? Like, it just seems like... It seems like I've made the office space right joke before. Like, I don't know. One-hour photo. Okay, all right. We did. We did, okay. Uh, Michael Jeter, Kim Dickens, Rosemary Harris, J.K. Simmons, who J.K. and Rosemary would, of course, have major roles in Raimi's Spider-Man. But uh, someone I want to bring up is Giovanni Ribisi. Like, first time I ever saw this guy was in Gone in 60 <coughs> And, man, I think he kills it in this performance as well. Um, you know, it goes Blanchett, Reeves, and Ribisi. Probably, I don't know, I, I don't know, Reeves and Ribisi in their performances back and forth. But, um and it's funny to see Greg Kinnear and Katie Holmes in this together because my wife and I really got into the Kennedys. Hell, I guess it's been really like 10 years ago now. But it was kind of fitting with those two together in this movie, to be honest, especially the way that it happens. <laughs> uh, also, a little fun fact, Annie's car is that classic Delta 88 Oldsmobile that Rainey puts in all of his movies since Evil Dead. Uh, knowing that now, it's, it's a cool little Easter egg to always find whenever you watch a Rainey movie. Um, all in all, I don't really have any specifics on this group of scenes. Like I said, it does a good job of everything, but God, I was bored to death during this group of scenes. Yeah, this is definitely the slow part for sure. Uh, you mentioned the cinematography. Yes, I agree until about the last, you know, eight minutes of the movie when there's a thunderstorm going. Like, that's really the only memorable stuff. Um, I do like this, like, swampy bayou setting. It kind of looks like Bobby Boucher and his mom could live right down the road. Like I, like I, I think that that's a cool setting for a thriller horror that we don't get enough. Um, right off the back, man, we get Kate Blanchett, and he, what? We don't get that enough. I want it more. That's all. Are you trying to think of movies? Sorry. Anyway, okay. Um, so right off the bat, we get Kate Blanchett, Hillary Swank. Uh, I, I look, I, 
I'm a fan of Hillary Swank. She, she's in a lot of movies that I really enjoy. Um, and I, I think she's kind of underutilized here. I will, I will say that's a nitpick. But, uh, I mean, her character, I, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's, it, it serves its purpose. Um, but when you get into the principal's office here, or like, it's very clear there's something off about Holmes in this. Like, the, like yeah, they're trying to act all nicey-nice, but, like, principal's kind of coming on to her. Uh, you know, and Katie Holmes kind of says they're stuck up B word, you know, and so you're kind of getting this like weird vibe. What I, I mean, I don't want to call anyone that word. I would never, I would never call anyone that word. That's that. It's inappropriate behavior. Um, but then, you know, this pencil moves and Colin Brian, I'm like, I'm a little bored. This is a little hokey. Like there's a pencil falling off the desk. Like it's all a little eh, for me at this point, but then you kind of meet uh, buddy and stuff starts to change a little bit. Like you kind of want to know what all of these things have to do with each other. And I'm at least intrigued to, to see where it's going. Um, he kind of breaks down, has a mental lapse in the car, talks about a blue diamond killing himself and all this stuff. And I really like that because we're starting to get some details, some character development. Cause right now, like, like Brian said, moving at a snail's pace here, here comes counter Reeves. And I have this later in my notes, so I'm, I'm just going to say it now. What a very different role for Keanu. Like, but it's awesome. He's so good. Right off the bat, every scene he's in is so tense and has, has suspense. And you almost feel his presence when he walks into the room. Like, he does a great job of getting to, you know, getting to play this asshole that you don't like, that you're not supposed to like. Like, I think he does a great job. The only bad thing to me is his accent. I don't think his accent's very good. Then again, not a lot of people's accent in this movie are very good. So it's really not a big deal. Um, <laughs> he dropped a hard R there. That's a toughie. Uh, but I, I, again, I love this scene once we meet him. It is fantastic. It's the best part of this opening set. Everything's just so suspenseful. Um, I also love Hilary Swank in this role. She does, you know, I know I said her character is underutilized, but her performance is really strong. Um, it get, it, they fooled me a lot in this movie. A few times they got my ass. And one of the times is when Grandy walks up. Like, I, I thought Grandy was for really there, man. I, I thought this shit was for reals. And I was like, damn, that's kind of random. What the hell are you doing here? But clearly wasn't. also had to make note that <laughs> Linda says this guy looks like Antonio Banderas when he, did, in fact, did not look anything like Antonio Banderas. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, also, I had to write down why people can't dance for shit. Uh, I'm just going to speak for us as a collective group. If you're white and you can dance, that's great. But for the most part, including my brother Brian, God, uh, we cannot dance. <laughs> hey, don't look, don't look at me like that. But Gary Cole and Katie Holmes have a lovemaking scene in this movie. That that was not something I expected. I forgot all about it. Like I said, I hadn't seen it in a very long time. I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Um, the disrespect that Katie Holmes has when she comes up with her hair all a mess, that's that's some audacity right there, man. Um, I thought it was kind of weird how whoever broke in this house took the time to write Satan on her bed made of her, her tarot cards. Like, that's some kind of weird creative shit to me. Uh, my only nitpick here, and it's the last thing. I'm kind of tired of the tropes. I know it's an old movie. I'm so tired of the tropes no one believes anybody in a horror movie when they tell them some crazy shit is happening. Like, just this cop is such an asshole. He doesn't do any kind of formal work, investigative work. He just says, she's crazy. Thanks her for the cup of coffee. 
This is why we need Deputy Dewey on the case all the time. Better cop than this asshole. That's right. I said it. Absolutely. Hey, hey what? Wasn't Donnie the one that broke in and, and did that with the cards? Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm just like, oh. he got. Very, I'm just saying, very creative. Like, why would you? <laughs> I don't know if I would take the time to write that out. I guess this guy scare someone, but that was kind of weird to me. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like something Donnie <laughs> would do, I guess. All right. So um, I think we get a great swamp setting for the open. Um, really sets a tone here and a great usage of thunder for a slight jump scare there where, where we get the flash of the woman's body following. Yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, very subtle in the in the immediate open, and then you know as the uh, credits, the opening credits roll, it's just you said it. What a phenomenal cast from top to bottom. Um, and then you know we get to see Annie here with her cards. Uh, seeing that in the open is it's a great way to show us what she's all about and what her what her gimmick is in the movie. Uh, and then damn, enter Hillary Swank. She looks awful. You would think with her training from A Million Dollar Baby and Karate Kid 3 that she'd be able to defend herself, but I guess not. Holy shit, she got she had a big black eye. Um, <clears throat> get a creepy vision that she sees there when the with the pencil falling off the desk of, you know, the water and the the dead foot there. I thought I thought that was well done and I think that's a consistent theme throughout the movie. And when she has her visions, I think they're all very well done and creative. They look great and they're very effective. Um, man, I Giovanni Ribisi. I think he's so underrated as an actor. Like, uh, you know, you never really hear people giving him his flowers. So I'm going to do that here. I don't think I've ever seen him and been like, oh, man. Okay. He he was in the movie. Every time you see him, it's like, man, he knocked that park. So shout out to him. Um, and we do see right away that his character's got some serious problems. And he just, he absolutely kills that deranged, psychotic role. Speaking of killing the role, though, my man Keanu, he, no secret, he's my favorite actor, number one on the list. Um, he did seem a little too natural dropping those slurs, but, you know, uh, we'll just chalk it up. Even Leo DiCaprio had to think about uh, that. We don't know what the deal is there. Yeah. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> yeah, it just rolled off the tongue a little too easily. But uh, anyway, Donnie is such an unlikable character, though. I mean, that's the sign of a great actor for you'd be my favorite actor and me to just absolutely hate you in a, in a role. Uh, yep. He killed it. Um, let's see. Lost my place there. Oh, then we get a, you know, crazy vision that Annie gets with her granny walking up to her. Uh, and then that montage showing her what's to come when she's like, Oh, the storm's coming. Like that was another well done scene. Very effective. Awesome. And then my girl, Jessica, she was getting around at the country club. Uh, it's kind of funny. Like I picked this, like I said, because of Harold and Kumar made me think of, made me remember it. But then Jessica and Wayne are kind of acting like freak show and his wife. Wayne's like, "Hey, you know, make yourself a home like my wife," because Jessica's getting around that country club. Ali. Uh, then when Andy gets back home, yeah, you guys said it. That's the worst cop ever that comes out to the house. What do you mean you don't think it was Donnie? But also, why the hell didn't Andy press charges when he busted in the house earlier and dragged his wife out by the hair? And if nothing else, like he got paint everywhere and he trespassed. So that's a charge in itself, even if, you know, at the very least. Uh, and she should have filed a restraining order that day that's because he was very threatening towards her. And she had a witness because that other client was there and saw all the shit go down. So it's even like it's his word versus her because, you know, that Valerie's not going to speak up. No, that other lady is there. She's going to back you up. 
Maybe. But, you know that small town bullshit, man. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I know. I just, but she didn't even try. That doesn't sit right with my spirit. Um, and then, but while she's in there, you know, when she's looking through and she sees the Satan spelled out on tarot cards, which, yeah, it's clearly Donnie because he's calling her a Satanist and devil worshiper and all this stuff. But was, was I mistaken? Did we hear a truck? Like, didn't we hear his truck drive off there as she walks in the bedroom? Like, it sounded like that was his truck driving off. And if that's the case, would she not have seen his truck outside when she was walking up to the house? Yeah, good point. So there is a big plot hole, but it is what it is. I think that it's a solid open. Uh, we, you know, we get an acting master class 101 and we know what's going on. So what more can you really ask for? Annie is reading cards with Buddy now. She tells him his daddy took things from him when he was a little boy. She asks if he took other things from him and says, you got to figure out why you hate your daddy. He snaps saying, why don't you tell me why I hate my daddy? You're the goddamn psychic slapping the table. I thought that shit was hilarious, personally. Silence now, and he says, I should go home. I'm sorry I yelled at you. She tells him if he faces these things from his childhood, then she can help him. And he gets a call from Donnie who says, you got some pretty things. I like looking at them. And he'll skin her and her kids like a squirrel. You call the police again. Mike goes in her room asking what's up with the bat and why don't we go see daddy at the cemetery. She sends him away when he asks why they don't even talk about daddy. Annie wakes up in her bed being choked. She reaches for the baseball bat but just knocks it over. She wakes up from her nightmare. Linda walks up to her saying she knows why Kenneth King didn't show up to church. His daughter Jessica is missing. She tells her she has a chance with Wayne now and to go home and get some rest. You look terrible. She asks her son Miller to go ask Miss Francis for more icing. Donnie pulls up on Miller asking where he's going and if he wants to ride in the truck. He throws his hat at him when he doesn't answer the question. He grabs his arm, calling his mom a witch, and someday someone's going to burn her up. But he asks if he's okay and grabs a crowbar and begins smashing the windows in the truck. He pulls a gun on him, and Buddy yells for him to shoot him as they drive away. Buddy asks Miller, asks Miller if he's all right, but just runs away. Annie tells her boys she wants to know where they are every minute of the day. Mr. King calls Annie, and she's at his house now. Sheriff tells her he doesn't believe in what she does, but their investigation isn't going anywhere and they ask for help. Mr. King is afraid she's been kidnapped or something. Wayne asks if there's anything she could tell them. She has Mr. King cut the cards as she lights a candle. She asks Wayne when they were to be married and Sheriff says we ask the questions. She flips three cards and describes a fence and white flowers. She apologizes saying she's not the person to help with this. We see her walking down the road now and she picks a white flower that dies. She sees the fence in the swamp. She sees him fiddle frantically, 
and comes and comes to in bed. Annie goes outside to check on the dog, and she looks up seeing Jessica's waterlogged corpse. She's talking to the sheriff now, who isn't taking her serious. She says she thinks she's dead and in a pond. She asks him about a fiddler and who are his neighbors. He says Donnie Barksdale, and her eyes open wide. Annie sees the white flowers as the cop car pulls into the property to check out the pond at Donnie Barksdale's house. They think they found something, but it's just an old bicycle. Wayne asks Annie about the day at school, but then Donnie arrives on the scene. Sheriff asks how his arm got scratched up, and Donnie is pissed when he sees Annie. He punches her, and the officer in the boat yells out, You gotta see this. They pull Jessica's body out the pond as Donnie is arrested. All right, Brian, that's the next set of scenes I got. What'd you think? So I'll say it right here. This secondary subplot with Buddy and his issues. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's fucking horrible. But I think this is just so damn good. It's almost more interesting to me to find out what the fuck is going on with him. Yep. Than the main yep. Uh, you know, which I'll save to the ending, but I don't really care for that reveal as much as this. And I think it's more with the performance Giovanni gives and the the emotion it provokes from me as, you know, his arc is revealed throughout. Uh, Giovanni is just so damn all of his scenes, starting with this card reading scene with Annie, that, you know, those heavyweights, there's just heavyweights going back and forth in this movie just almost in every scene. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. And I'll say it again, Kate Blanchett is so fucking elite in every single one of them that she steals them. Like, it's just... Uh, there's great tense scene with Annie being choked and it was a good decision not to show the killer's face there as we're left to assume it's Donnie, of course. And this is where it really starts to pick up for me. And I'm very invested now in this movie. And Dustin already said this, but I'm going to mirror it since I had it written down as well. I as well am so used to loving Keanu that it really did take this scene right here with him threatening Annie's kid and then Mm -hmm. Buddy that car all up for me to really start hating his character after all the stuff in the last set of scenes this is the scene that it took me to do that um which like you said it's just a testament to him but shit even that scene giovanni absolutely steals it with his performance again you know it's just fucking incredible um now i talked a little shit last set of scenes with the way the movie was shot but the dream sequences like in this group here where annie sees the fiddler look sidebar that's danny elfman's cameo by the way which is such an almost jarringly scary scene when he starts with that violin, like the fucking violin in horror movies, man, I'm conditioned. You know, I think with that, I think I'm conditioned with that thing. And I was corrected via group chat, but Elfman did not in fact for this movie. And so I retract that statement and may God have mercy on my soul. Uh, But back to the dream sequence here, the saturated overtones and, and first person perspectives really are very well done. Uh, but again, I think it's a soundtrack that just makes this even better for me. That that dream and then directly into seeing Katie Holmes is definitely, I think, the most horror aspect of the entire movie, uh, in my opinion anyway. And then the Donnie and Annie confrontation as they pull Jessica from the lake. This set of scenes is probably, no, it is. It's my favorite set of scenes in the entire movie. So many amazing performances and high, just octane, tense scenes packed into this. This movie is made to me on this set of scenes. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned Buddy's arc, because in that first set of scenes, while I said it's at least interesting when we get some character development, I, I wasn't really bought in because all this other stuff is going around on around him, and he's just kind of placed there. But it's in this set of scenes which was the most interesting part of the movie to me. Like, I completely agree with you on that. His scene sitting across from Kate Blanchett is is 
phenomenal. You know, when he just does that brief moment of yelling, you kind of see the headspace that he's in. You get a quick glimpse of it. And I think those two going back and forth was awesome. Um, I, I got to say, her son comes to her, you know, she tells her son, if there's anything you need to talk to me about, I'm here for you. Son comes to try to talk about it. She basically tells him to shut the fuck up and go away. She didn't say that, but she basically should have. Um, so I was like, man, that's not cool. Like, uh, like I know that she was going through a lot, but I just had to note that. I was like, I don't know if I like that from her character. Um, also, side note, if you're getting choked in a dream, I know it leads down the road in the movie. If you're getting choked in a dream, you're under very intense and extreme stress, or you have a kink, one or the other. So <laughs> figure that out for yourselves. Um, look, if you throw a hat at my kid, it's fist on sight. Doesn't matter. If you grab my son, you throw a hat, like I'm kicking your ass on sight. Uh, and I'm not a parent, but I know that's how that would go down immediately. Um, like you said, though, man, Geos feels this scene. I mean, he's incredible, and it's just these bursts of, of anger and, and, not, you know, and violence. But we're kind of on his side with this, you know, violent tendency that he has because, like you said, he's made me not like Keanu Reeves in this movie, which is hard to do. I'm like you guys. I mean, this man got free fucking, you know, gave free fucking pizza out. So, of course, I like Keanu Reeves. But, I, again, steals the scene. You're kind of pulling for Buddy, like I said. Um, look, I, I do like that J.K. Simmons, as the cop here, adds some comic relief. Like, I needed some comic relief after the last few ten scenes. I think he does that a few times. Um, most of these dream sequences don't do a ton for me, but you get, but you get enough in this scene. And you mentioned the fiddle with Danny Elfman, or violin fiddle, whatever. I assume because they're they're in the backwoods that it was a fiddle. Um, he was playing that thing faster than Charlie Daniels. I'm sure he was jealous from hell. I mean heaven. Uh, I'm sure that's where Charlie Daniels is. Um, a cop that doesn't, excuse me, a cop that likes donuts. Trope. I mean, for 2001, that's a little dated reference to me, but that's something I, that's a small nitpick. I do, my, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, I know this sounds stupid, is they build up the suspense to pull this thing out of the pond, and it's a fucking bicycle. But I do think they, they pulled it off so well, I love it. Like, that was so suspenseful for no fucking reason, and it hit for me. I will say when we finally get the dead body, uh, it looks really good. I think the effects on on that are really good, especially later when she's kind of walking around. So all in all, I'm with you, Brian. Really good set of scenes here, man. I, outside of my few nitpicks, it's really hard to get anything negative about this film, which since Dustin picked it, I can't fucking believe it. Damn it. He got one over on me this month. Fuck. They're all good. Um, <clears throat> I have a serious question. Is Giovanni Ribisi's character Buddy – the same character as Donnie from Ted. Yes. Both of them have fucked up childhoods that, you know, and they grew up to be unhinged weirdos. So I know Buddy, spoiler, I know Buddy dies, but I think he escapes, kind of gets out and becomes Donnie and Ted and wants his fucking stuff there. That's what I think. Nice. Yeah. Buddy, quote unquote, died in that hospital the same way as uh yeah alexandra yeah. died le- in yeah. last night yeah. soho or last night soho you're right but you're right. uh so anyway and then yeah donnie wants to roll up and threaten me and my kids like that he'd have to meet my two best friends their names are smith and wesson fuck that nope done and an old fucking beater but, get the um, fuck out of here pal another thing that i noticed here and i hate to be that guy that like 
nitpicks details. But you see how fucking small her bed is? I think I, I think it was the Exorcism of <laughs> Emily Rose episode I brought it up. Like I just it's ridiculous how movies do that. Like this woman was was married. So you're telling me that her and her husband were sleeping in that little ass bed that she could barely fit in by herself? No. Like it's such a minor detail, but it eats me up. Anyway, okay. Uh and then we get more of Donnie being such an asshole, but we see that Buddy is exactly the kind of batshit friend that Annie needs because she clearly, you know, she can't defend herself realistically against, uh, you know, against Donnie and she can't protect kids in her buddy. She needs a friend like that. So that's awesome. Uh, JK Simmons and Chelsea Ross, shout out to both of them. Two damn good supporting actors that I don't think ever get enough credit, but they're both fantastic in everything that they're always in. So love those two guys. Uh, and then, man, what a vision she has here from, you know, her picking that white flag and instantly dying and wilting, turning black in her hand, which, by the way, for, you know, considering this movie came out or was made in 2000, came out in 2001, pretty good effects on that, like for, for the flower just to die and turn black in her hand like that. That was good. Uh, but from the flower to the crazy fiddle player, shout out Danny Elfman. Uh, and then, you know, seeing the body, quote unquote, floating or swimming in the tree there. I start to have questions myself, like, does she really have a gift, or has she just been on a darkness retreat doing ayahuasca with Aaron Rodgers? Um, I don't I don't know, but uh, she clearly is seeing some stuff. Her and Joe Rogan doing uh, DMT in then, the back corner, know, man. <laughs> DMT comes from ayahuasca, so yeah. I know, absolutely. I know. Um, n- never, never done it. Never done it. I don't touch that stuff. Um, and, of course, the property is next to Donnie Barksdale's place. I mean... Of course, right? What a coincidence. That motherfucker needs to be locked up immediately anyway. So whether he did, whether he didn't, he needs to be in jail anyway. Uh, we get a very dramatic scene when they fish out the uh, the bicycle. Like that, it was kind of comedic how dramatic they made it. Like, I think I got something. And we get this dramatic score. The camera zooms in and they pull a bicycle out of the pond. Uh, but then when Donnie shows up here, bold move just to walk up to a woman and punch her in the gut right in front of a cop. Like, holy shit, that's some balls. But, uh, you know, you can tell by the license plate on the front of his truck, though. He's uh, kind of a douchebag. So, um, overall, this is a this is a very I, – I don't know if it's my favorite set of scenes, honestly. Probably, now that I think about it. But, um, yeah, just solid from top to bottom. Annie walks into David Duncan's office as he asks if she wants coffee. He says the only weak link in the case is her and how she found the body. He asks her if she's been involved with Donnie or if there was anything else between them. Annie walks out saying the victim had a name. We're in court now as David asks a bar worker if he saw Donnie. He recounts what he saw. He saw Donnie smacking and attacking Jessica King. The defense now questions Sheriff and how they found the pond Jessica was in. The defense makes a joke out of the story. Buddy stops Annie outside the courthouse wanting to talk, but she says she's got a lot in her mind. Buddy tells her thinking about his dad and touching himself. She says she's going through a hard time and can't talk as Donnie's friends tell her she's going to burn in hell. She tells her kids about having to testify tomorrow and the voicemail is Buddy's mother saying he's threatening to kill his daddy. Annie arrives and sees Buddy beating his dad with a belt as he's bound in a chair. He yells at his mom saying she knew everything and did nothing. Buddy pours, I think it's lighter fluid or gas on his daddy and he charges Annie. He cries out, why didn't you help me, Annie? 
Buddy takes the lighter and lights his dad on fire and holds her and makes her look at the blue diamond on his stomach. Buddy is now arrested as the dad is taken in an ambulance. Annie is on trial now testifying. She's asked what she does for work. She says her granny told her she has a gift and to use her instinct. The defense approaches and asks how many fingers he's holding up behind his back. He now asks if it takes money to make her gift work and brings up her husband's explosion. He brings up her quote about Donnie and she breaks on the stand about her gift. Donnie is on the stand now telling his side of the story with Jessica King. He admits to having her and then they got into an argument. We now see the altercation and him taking her to the hospital. She asks him to drop her back off at AJ's and Donnie leaves. He admits to cheating on his wife and other things, but not killing Jessica King. Prosecution now gets him to admit he is a woman beater. Donnie says he got with Jessica because he was the only man in town who knew how to fuck. Attorney Duncan is offended because he was sleeping with her as well. Donnie snaps now and begins to yell that it was Annie's. She's a goddamn witch. She's putting spells on everyone in town. The news reports Donnie was found guilty of killing Jessica. Mike asks Annie if everything's going to be all right now. Next day, Valerie shows up when Annie is unpacking groceries. There's tension between the two, and Valerie asks her to read for her. She helps carry the groceries in, and she says she feels lost without Donnie. Valerie says she's been thinking bad thoughts. She's glad Jessica's dead for messing with her husband. Annie begins to see something, but folds all the cards up, saying it's unclear to Valerie. Annie sees water overflowing on the floor and hears a woman crying. She goes into the bathroom, and we see Jessica in the tub. She yells, fuck you to Annie. Annie falls to the floor in fear. Annie is at Wayne's house now who hasn't checked his mail in weeks. Walks in the house and sees Wayne sitting at a mess of a table. She has him lie down and says he'd feel better if he slept. He thanks her and holds her hand. He begins to rub her face and she leans in but stops, saying it's not a good idea. She lies her head on his chest and he says, I know there's something between us. She says she can't. She still feels married. He says they gotta embrace them being gone. Annie tells Wayne she doesn't think Donnie Barksdale killed Jessica. Annie says she she sees he didn't do it. Wayne asks, can she see who did do it? Then he says, it's not over. All right, Brian's next set of scenes I got, and the next set is the ending. Yeah, so at the start of this, I love walking into this prosecutor's office blind with Annie and then us getting you know that expanding shot, and we find out it's fucking Gary Cole. I will say I almost wish that they hadn't shown that flashback to the first group of scenes, though, like almost reminding us who he was. To me, I think the audience is smart enough to remember that. You know, I get it because it's so important to the to creating this tense atmosphere. You know, we get the rest of the time. But I've said before, like that almost comes across as spoon feeding to me. And I think the audience is smarter than that. But like I said, from here on out with this trial and us knowing the secret here and, and wondering will it will come out and, and how how it will or even if it will even sink Annie was was just so it was so damn well done. Uh, part of me wonders now as I talk about this how this would have been if we didn't see Annie's visions, you know, and we were in the dark as much as the jury in wondering if she was really telling the truth or not, you know, maybe not show the visions till later to show, you know, she really did have them. I don't know, just me spitballing right now. Um, shout out to Michael Jeter. No money, no honey. <laughs> Love that quote. Um, here defending Donnie, you know, honestly, he and Reeves do such a damn good job. And these court sessions are so realistic, especially for a backwoods town court hearing. If I was on the jury, I would have not convicted Donnie. Uh, almost would have rather seen him released and then pissed off for being falsely accused rather than losing his shit and, you know, basically throwing himself to the wolves here. But 
Um, now, obviously, that's perfectly in character for Donnie, though. But so this reveal with Buddy and his father, this entire thing is such superb acting. I feel like, I feel like I sound like a broken record here, but I can't even put this into words. If you don't even want to watch this movie, just YouTube this scene. It's so moving, so just emotionally charged and so tense. The best by far scene in the movie for me, in my opinion. Uh, the shot with Buddy and Annie and Annie trying to get her jacket off to maybe save him and, and Buddy's holding her, telling her to, to look and they pan through the flames and you see the blue diamond tattoo and you get the realization the same time she does. Holy shit. I mean, a chef's kiss doesn't even do that justice. That was incredible to me. And again, I almost wish this was saved for the end because it was just such, like I said, it's an emotional roller coaster for me watching it. Uh, only thing that maybe I didn't like here and this plays into the reveal, but Annie at Wayne's house, like, the way Wayne acted doesn't make sense to me for, his, for the reveal, like especially knowing what we know upon a rewatch. It's not like Scream where you can rewatch it and go, oh, okay, well, that's why he acted like that. And they're, you know, if you, if you know the end, you can kind of tell. I, and I get they don't want to give it a course, but he had no reason to be fucked up the way that he was unless he really was dealing with grief. And I don't know, I just didn't care for it, um, especially because of the reveal. It doesn't make sense why he would want you know want her to know either like i didn't i didn't get that anyway i didn't like that anyway go ahead tell cersei i want her to know some people just want <laughs> people to know. i think that was like a swinging dick move by him man <laughs> well no he was he i mean he was he was like in love with her and he wanted he thought like she would be i don't know what the fuck he thinks she would be I think he that. wanted her i think he wanted her to know after she said she didn't think donnie killed her like that's the only real like i think if we just left it don't know if that whole thing happened like if this is real life i think that's maybe how that goes down maybe he only wants her to know because she he thinks that she's going to find out anyway and he took her he can say what he wants he took her there to kill her so <laughs> i don't well i don't know i mean he took I, her there and like i don't know i didn't take it that he took her there to kill her he took her there for her to figure it out in my opinion and then like he whenever he's talking to her like it was almost like he was disappointed that she wasn't okay with it or something. I don't yeah. Know. That's just, oh, definitely bad. You can see it like in his face. Yeah. That's, that's understandable. Um, it's fun. This case does not look good for Annie or anybody else. You know, the prosecution. I think, man, they're doing like OJ level bad as far as the prosecution in this uh, court case here. I think they they stink out the joint. Uh, I will say, though, that Gary Cole is one of my favorite character actors of all time. There, anything I see him in, I like him in. Like, his character stuff is always really, really good. Um, and I, I'm glad he's here. He goes back and forth with my man Jeter, who, again, I called Dale from the Green Mile because that's, like, my favorite thing that he's in. Like, this man goes from being electrocuted without a sponge to being a fucking lawyer. It's like a two-year span, you know, movie back-to-back. -back. So hitting in some heavyweight films here. Um, so great that's, performance. Uh, that's some Air Bud erasure. I was going to say, no, 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 no. I was getting there. I promise. I was gonna. I was an Air Bud reference later, but since oh. you, I can still make it. But that's okay. Um, he is the asshole in Air Bud as well. So he's good at playing a piece of shit, and he's good at playing a sympathetic character. That's why I like his acting. Um, again, their case would never win in the real world. Like, not a chance would you use her visions in a court case and have it stand. I think they would rip that to shreds. But whatever. Okay, the scene with Buddy, his dad, his mom, and everything. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed is the best acting scene in the entire film. It is phenomenal. I love the way that it is shot, um, how it's dark, and but you can still see the characters. The fire really stands out once it happens. And, you know, it, it, it's a reveal that I was not expecting or I didn't remember from the one time I saw it a long time ago. And it just kind of blew me away. It took me aback. It really did. Especially because he goes in the line that his mom knew, and you just knew deep down. Of course she did. They always do. Um, and I will say, and this may be controversial, and I don't really give a shit. To me, this was a perfect display for not getting out of your scope of practice. All all Annie had to do was meet with this guy one time, and, I, and she just sent him to some kind of doctor because uh, to try to help him in the way that she did, yeah, that's great, but you don't come to me for hernia surgery. So you should go to a guy that does hernia surgeries. Uh, he needed actual serious help. So I think this was a good lesson right there because she didn't see this coming. I don't think anybody did. Um, but anyway, uh, I, man, Connor Reeves and his character just come across as likable on the stand. Like he's got he's got charm. He's got wit. He's he's oh he's confessing to cheating on his wife. Like he's being honest. Why would I? Why would I? Tell the truth about this, but lie about this. Like I think that's manipulative stuff. Clearly, he didn't kill her though, so I, he's telling the absolute truth. So uh, again, such a different role for him. I, I just think he shines in. You could even say he kills it, which doesn't really land because he didn't kill it. You know, he he didn't kill her, but still, I had to make that joke at least once. Um, I do. You know, last thing here, a jump scare that actually got me is Caleb showing back up dead. Like that actually got me for a second. I was like, oh shit, that was kind of. Out of nowhere, like Brian said, although I think he was talking about the dream sequence, but that that to me is the most horror aspect of the movie is her kind of coming back and 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 haunting her in a way almost. I think it's maybe the most horror aspect of the film, and I think it's done really well. So another really good set of scenes, man. Not a probably my favorite set of scenes just because the stuff with Buddy is just incredible. You mentioned it. Talk about another great supporting actor, inner Gary Cole. Um phenomenal I, I like him a lot as well and then buddy takes the cake you know takes the award here for the most fucked up character we've ever covered i don't really think that's close um he oh, touches shit. himself when he thinks of his daddy fuck and then you know he ties his daddy up and whips him and then the revelation of what happened there that's just some heavy stuff that blue diamond reveal is absolutely disgusting like, I don't have an ounce of sympathy for Buddy's dad at all. Great kill. Burn all pedophiles. Uh, kill of the century. Kill of the... It's the best kill we've ever witnessed in the history of this show. Um, 
the defense attorney, man, absolutely ruthless here. Just great back and forth here with uh, him and Annie going back and forth. RIP Michael Jeter. Um, yeah, the solid stuff there. Uh, but then, you know, when Donnie's on the stand and he admits to hitting his wife, admitted to hitting uh, and knocking out Jessica the night of her death. Uh, and then not to mention the fact that he punched Annie right in front of the cops. Like, I just don't, I don't think that he has a defense. I know you're saying that they would tear his or tear that apart that she had a vision or whatever. I don't even think they needed it. Like he did, he fucked himself on the stand right here. He did not make himself look good at all. Um, you know, especially after the cat story when he's like, didn't you say a stray cat scratched your arm and you killed that stray cat? Like, yeah, he's, he's fucked. Um, grand opening, grand closing. Then, you know, when Annie gets back home, shout out to the Piggly, Piggly Wiggly paper grocery bags. Takes me right back to my childhood. We had a Piggly Wiggly in Sweetwater, Tennessee that we used to frequent. And, uh, yeah, definitely had a flashback there. We got one here. Uh, you still got a Piggly Wiggly? I haven't seen a Piggly Wiggly in years. That's awesome. Still, we've got two uh, close to me. One in my town and one in the town over. There's two Piggly Wigglies close to me. Hell, yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, though. I'd tell Valerie to kick rocks. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't care. No, I'm not reading. For I would you. not have read her don't shit, care. pal. Hell no. Bye. Don't care. Don't give, don't give a solitary fuck. Um, but then, you know, we do get a creepy vision here when she uh, sees dead Jessica. And another vision that's well done. And then my dog, Wayne, he ain't wasting no time, huh? Like his fiance's body is still warm and he's trying to get Annie's panties. Sheesh. My man is a horny bastard. Um, but the whole scene here with Annie and, uh, Wayne, like it's, it, it makes the twist so predictable to me. Cause like you can just, the, the dialogue that they use, like it, it honestly, it kills the ending for me because I just, it's clear as day what's coming. The way he's just so ready, he's already ready to move on. And then the way that, you know, he tells Annie when she tells him Donnie didn't do it, the way he says it's over, I can't go through this. Did you happen to see who did it? Like it, it's just, you you know, you telegraph that one pretty badly. So that's honestly probably my biggest gripe of the whole movie is their interaction right here. I, I, I almost wish that they hadn't done that. And Annie just goes to Duncan's house first. And Duncan is the one that tells Wayne, Hey, we're going to read, you know, she's wanting to look into this. She says that, that Donnie didn't do it. Like, I, I wish it was that it just, it made it too predictable to me, yeah. but Still not a bad set of scenes because this movie doesn't have a bad set of scenes. So go ahead. All right, guys, here's the ending. Annie is at home reading her cards as she hears the faucet leak. She goes into her trance and she and she sees blood pouring and someone attacking Jessica. Annie is at David's now telling him Donnie didn't kill her. She doesn't know who did kill her yet and she feels like her life is at risk now. She tells him she knows about his affair with Jessica and how bad he'd look if everyone found out. Annie refuses money from him and says she wants him to reopen the case. She says to reopen the case or I will. Annie gets home and sees Buddy in the bushes. She calls out for him, but no answer. She goes inside and calls Miss Francis as we see a shadow walk past her window. She asks to stay at her house as we hear a door creak. Annie turns around and Wayne is there. Wayne says he feels like he's going crazy after what she said. He asks for her to read for him. She says it's no good and he asks for her to try again. He's, he ugh, he asked maybe if we go back to the pond, it'll help. She says she can't go back there tonight. He says he can't keep running from things. Annie gets a stern look on her face. 
The two make it to the pond, and he suggests she walk around to help her visions. Annie trips, and she has the same vision of someone hitting her with a flashlight. Annie sees Jessica's dead body on the ground and someone picking her up from the bar. She now hears Valerie saying, Jessica got what she deserved. Annie keeps walking, and we see Wayne confronting Jessica having sex with Donnie, and she breaks up with him. She tosses the ring, and he attacks her on the car, choking her to death. Annie tells her we should go back as Wayne gets closer and closer to her. He says she knows. I wanted you to see. It's so bad. Wayne keeps backing her down the dock, saying he's a good man. Annie hits him with a crawfish basket, and he hits her with a flashlight. Annie's head bleeds, and he goes to hit her again until Buddy appears, taking the flashlight from him and hitting him. He asks Annie if she's all right. He helps her up, and they take Wayne back to the car and put him in the trunk. She asks about him being in the hospital. He says he escaped and she apologizes for not being there for him. You was the only one who was a friend to me, and I love you. You're the soul of this town, Miss Wilson. Keep doing what you're doing. He hands her the, I think it's a handkerchief, she gave him earlier, and she wipes her tears. Annie drives to the police station and tells him, you're going to have to go back, and he acknowledges it. Annie goes into the police station and gives the cops her keys. We see Buddy has fled the scene. Sheriff tells Annie Wayne admitted to everything. She says it was Buddy, but Sheriff says it wasn't him. Buddy Cole is dead. He hanged himself in the shower at 6 this evening. Annie is in shock as she holds the handkerchief. She's back home and checks on her sleeping boys. She sees Mike holding the photo of he and his dad. She sits beside him and cries. Annie and her boys are now at his gravesite, and she hugs him tightly as the film ends. All right, Brian, what do you think about the ending? So I'm not correcting. I'm, I'm asking because now I'm generally curious. That was a handkerchief because I thought it was like a, a baby burp cloth. And that she yeah. sees it again in that in that photo. Oh, that might be it. I know she okay. gave that to him during that truck scene. This scene with Annie at the start here, finally confronting Bill Lumberg in his house, is pretty much pointless, I think. Uh, I mean, there's no real payoff ever with that. And I don't really know what kind of tension it served to build because, I mean, he basically proves it wasn't him because otherwise this is where he would try to kill her to protect his secret and his job. So, I don't know. It didn't really work for me. And again, this is a 30-minute set of scenes here for the conclusion. So, to me, you could have cut that. I do love the red herring, though, in the rain with her seeing who she thinks is Buddy in flashes. But as soon as Wayne shows up, I mean, you pretty much know it's him. Now, Swerve, I wanted it to be Hillary Swank. I think it uh, would have been a nice conclusion to her character arc. Got some revenge. But like I said, I wasn't the biggest fan of the, the reveal of it, of it being Wayne and I mean, come on, my guy couldn't even have gotten rid of the damn flashlight that helped him in the murder. He's, he's using it again here. Damn, cuz. I don't know. E even the flashback of him doing it didn't do it for me because, I mean, he didn't seem crazy enough in the moment. I needed more of someone who is, like, totally lost it there. Um, not, I mean, he's a, great, he's a great actor. I just didn't like that performance right there. Um, the buddy ghost save I liked, though, even though it didn't really make sense, you know, with the ghost being able to interfere in real world events but whatever maybe could have had a released donnie come back and have some maybe some redemption there but i don't know um the feel good ending was definitely well deserved i thought um as far as the whole ending goes it was just it was okay it was not what i would have done but i'm not sam rainey and i would have never made evil dead either so here we are still still a great movie jesus man <laughs> all right <laughs> um, yeah this is not not a good time to be canoodling with Wayne on the couch. Like, there's a point here, it, it, to me, 
where you can, or at least in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's Wayne. Like my mind immediately went there when that interaction on the couch happened. Like that's literally what I like. You know, she finally confronts Gary Cole's character. My man is drinking Maker's Mart, by the way. Shout out to an elite bourbon. But I'm with you, Brian. It is a waste of time. Like I don't know if it adds anything except for letting him know she knows about the affair. I mean, we know about the affairs of viewers. I don't necessarily know if it's necessary at this point. Like, I don't think it adds anything. I don't think it takes anything away. I just think it's kind of a waste of our time here. But just some praise for Gary Cole because he's awesome. Uh, I'll throw that out there. Look, they got me with some of these thunderstorm buddy jump scare things. Like, they got me. Like, it, it, it was executed really well. Like, I, I was in for the ride. It was, it was very suspenseful. Um, and look, the, like I said <laughs> – I had this feeling it was Wayne from that point, like process of elimination. I kind of wish that it was Hillary Swank um, as well, but it, it wasn't, so that's okay. I'm okay with this reveal because once it started doing process of elimination, I could almost sense it coming. Um, and, I, you know, it makes some logical sense. Him wanting her to know is a fuzzy gray area, but I don't mind the reveal. I really don't. And I think he does a great job of kind of portraying – you know, once we see what happened between the two of them, like she had no remorse for her actions towards him and is really cold and conniving. No, she does not deserve to die. Like I want to make that very clear. But his actions and why he did it are are, are at least showed to us. It wasn't just implied. So we at least get that scene. I love the cinematography with Thunderstorm, how the, how the lightning kind of keeps flashing on people's faces in different angles and ways. My thing with Buddy's, ghost is i like that buddy comes back i just wish it had actually been him like i don't really like the whole fact that he helped her from beyond like i don't know it kind of i mean i know that she's in tune with all that it just kind of ruined it for me a little bit like i kind of brought it down some i do like that we get a feel-good ending um she's looking through old photo books she's with her kids uh so we get a little bit of a happy ending on what otherwise a movie that has almost no happy moments. So I do like that we get to end on an up note. I the ending was okay, but the rest of the movie is so good. I, 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 I think it, even if it didn't stick the landing perfectly, I think it's, it's just fine. Yeah. Um, first thing that I noticed was for such a nice house, you'd think that Duncan would have a much better bar and liter- liquor selection. Like one bottle of Maker's Mark and one bottle of Grey Goose. I just expected higher quality liquor from a high flute attorney like that. That's another big gripe I have about this movie. Um, then seeing Buddy in her driveway when she gets home, that was creepy as fuck because that guy's a loose cannon. And then we, you know, she's looking for him, and then bam, there's Wayne. Uh, and then I, you know, it's it's a very classic thunderstorm, that classic horror move, thunderstorm be the setting for a big conflict here. Uh, yeah, and then we see what actually happened. And, oh, tits, tits, holy shit, those aren't real. Yes, they are. Sorry, Harold and Kumar moment. I had to do it. But, yeah, there they are. And it, it's it's a very tense conflict here uh, after Annie sees the, the truth. And then my guy Buddy comes in to save his, save the day, or so we thought. But, and I told you earlier, he's exactly the kind of batshit friend that Annie needs. Um. The final twist here that Buddy's actually dead, like that's that's a wild, that's a oh shit moment to go home on. But I, you know, I'm fine with that aspect. I'm 
went with, you know, it was actually Annie that killed him, that killed or that subdued Wayne and all that. But the whole he gave her something and then she was able to like she still had it in the police station there didn't make sense. It's the same thing like when we were talking about last night in Soho, how that one hit came through from the dream world to the real world, but nothing else did. And then here she saw her granny earlier, but when he, when her granny walked off, like she wasn't holding a basket of fucking persimmons, like it disappeared with her granny. It was just a vision. Or, you know, when she picked a pencil up off the floor in Wayne's office earlier, it wasn't wet. It makes no sense that she still had that cloth. That really bothered me. But overall, I mean, it's it's a solid movie. The whole the twist with Wayne being the one that's killer. I liked that it was Wayne instead of Valerie because I think that was too that would have been too predictable. Like, yeah, obviously the the battered housewife is going to snap and kill the husband uh, because he deserved it and he was cheating on her. Like that to me would have been too predictable. But they spoiled it themselves on the last set of scenes because you could see it coming from a mile away. So kind of a mixed bag on the ending, but more good than bad. All right, guys, I'm going to read our social media comments and we'll do fun facts. Uh, Twitter, uh, it's pretty light tonight. Uh, Randy Smith commented, a great pick to end the month with Katie Holmes, but she was a major crush for 13, 14-year-old me. It's a solid six to me. Can't wait to hear y'all's takes. Okay. And the only comment we have on on Instagram is from Elbow.Tyler. Oh, man, such a good one. I especially love Buddy in the truck scene with Keanu Reeves. Oh, he did? <laughs> man, Keanu, I got... Hot take, this might be Keanu Reeves' best performance to me. I, I thought it was really good. Uh, Please respect Are Shane you Falcher. trying That's to tell me Keanu Reeves swinging his arms in the air saying, I love it when you call me Big Papa. It's not better than this? Come on. He's Don't even know what that's from. Hardball, you that? son of a bitch. You ever see, you've never seen The Matrix either. I've seen it a long time ago. But it's fun facts time. Not <laughs> 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 Brian, you got fun facts? No, I don't, man. Dustin, oh, you got any fun uh, let's facts? See. Let's see if I've got any left that we haven't said already. Um, to prepare for her role in this film, Kate Blanchett visited five fortune tellers in one week. One of them actually suggest- told her that she needed a bodyguard, so that was cool. Uh, and then, yeah, Billy Bob Thornton, who co-wrote the screenplay, obviously. He was asked to play the part of Buddy before it was taken by Giovanni Ribisi. I'm glad. Listen, I like Billy Bob Thornton. Um, I think that he's a, a damn fine actor in his own right, but I don't think he could have came close to the performance that Giovanni Ribisi did, uh, pulled off. I agree. Uh, okay, so this movie had a budget of $10 million, grossed just around uh, somewhere over $12 million. So it really, you know, the number is not exactly – you know, right there, but it's it's over twelve million dollars, which that's upsetting to me because this is such a star-studded cast and such a great film with a big-time director and a script that's written by fucking Billy Bob Thornton, and it barely made its money back. That is that is something. But you know, Cocaine Bear made about ninety million. Nothing against Cocaine Bear, I'm sure it's fun. I'm just saying, like that is a that's kind of unfortunate to me. I hate to see. Well, I'm gonna read one fun fact as well that I saw earlier. Uh, it kind of is similar to the one Dustin just gave. Keanu Reeves and his on-screen wife, Hillary Swank, visited with local spousal abuse counselors to understand why men were abusive to their wives and why the wives stayed with the husbands. I like that they got into their character like that. I thought that was really, really good touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
All right, guys, jumping to our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Uh, I'll kick us off. I don't really have a favorite, least favorite kill. That's really not what this movie was about. Uh, like I mentioned at the very beginning of the review, I'm a big fan of the movie, but I don't think it's perfect. I agree with you guys. The ending kind of was pretty obvious after, you know, the Wayne stuff. Uh, but great performances throughout. Kate Blanchett killed it. She was fantastic. Uh, like these guys have mentioned, Giovanni, he was, I think, probably the most captivating character of the entire yeah. movie. The acting performance, the the depth of emotion he put out was incredible. Great job. Uh, this, Like I mentioned earlier, too, this is my favorite Keanu Reeves uh, performance. He was fantastic as well. I love the courtroom scenes. Great cast overall, but just some things I didn't care for, like the in the ending. Uh, I'm also kind of like we did in Last Night in Soho. Like the ending kind of confused me. Like Buddy was dead, but he was still there. So how did this happen? And just stuff like that. Just. I don't know. Maybe I didn't get it. I don't know. I'll just pull that line. Anywho, I gave the movie a flat eight. I was just going to say, Nico, see, when you saw only one set of footprints, it's because Buddy was carrying her. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Okay. On that note, uh, my... uh... (laughs) Okay. Again, this movie is a fantastic watch. Yeah, I had some issues with it and stuff I would have liked to have seen different, but Ramey didn't call me and ask me first. Uh, But it really is a good movie. Like, I'm glad I watched it, and you should too if you haven't. I actually give it an 8.25. All right. So, yeah, I didn't have a lead favorite or favorite killer or any of that stuff. But, uh, look, this cast is great. I think this movie is shot well. Um, The score, all the music, I think is fantastic. Just some really good building to a crescendo in this movie that sometimes falls flat. And while I don't love the ending, it's it, it doesn't kill the whole movie for me. There's such great performances abound in this whole, like so many good acting performances. I can only describe it as to go watch it for yourself. Um, just really, really good stuff. Glad Dustin picked it. I gave it a eight flat. Okay. So yeah, um, at least favorite kill, favorite kill either. I mean, if Buddy's dad died, if he ended up dying, that's my favorite kill of all time. It's right up there with the, the you know, the kid from Hereditary. But um, as far as least favorite kill, I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, I guess Jessica, I don't know. But as far as the movie goes, it's it's a really good movie. Um, runtime to me, like you, it doesn't even feel an hour 51 minutes long. Like uh, it's it's a pretty easy watch because the pacing's good and the acting is so phenomenal keanu reeves my favorite actor so it's gonna get high marks regardless because of that um the ending was spoiled though too early by having wayne like just it was it was just very predictable so i could it dropped off some on the uh, on the overall score but i gave it an eight and a quarter as well so that gives us a composite score of composite score of 8.125 IMDb has it as a 6.7, so they're clearly wrong. <laughs> Agree. Any final thoughts before you just shout out our blood donors? Yeah, fuck IMDb, idiots. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you to our blood donors. Really appreciate y'all. Camper level reoccurring. Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Merza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Elgson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, and Brian Samick. Camp Counselor reoccurring, Hunter Nelson, Dennis Camp, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home podcast, Heather Smith, 
Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia, Adrian Aiello, Jake Hambrick, Clay Moore, Karen, Matt Strickland, and Gail Koontz. We have a final guy donor with a film review to do, and that is Missy Wall. And we also have a legendary blood donor, which is next week's pick, Matt Strickland. And I'll go ahead and announce his pick. We are doing 1981's Hell Night. That is Matt Strickland's blood donor pick. Uh, I've never seen that movie. Surprise, surprise. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, Matt, really appreciate your financial contributions. It means a lot to us. Absolutely. You helped us pay a few bills. Women in Horror Month, guys, I thought was a was a really good month. A lot of good picks. I, li- I like all four picks. Uh, I think 7.5 was the lowest rating I gave. So, I mean, that's pretty good, I would say. Uh, what are y'all thoughts on Women in Horror Month before we wrap it up? I thought, I thought it was fun. One of our best months ever. Absolutely. Stacked lineup, man. Yeah. Hard to beat. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> thank you to all our fans. We really appreciate the support. Uh, y'all have a good one. And Scream comes out next Friday. We're giving away two books to our blood donors. So become a blood donor and you get a free uh, free It All Began With a Scream book from Patrick Maroney. Join blood donors today. Just want to remind everybody. Oh.